Hey, you're listening to the RFWP Podcast with your host, Lois McNair and Emily Lewis, where you'll find candid conversations, transparent faith, encouragement, the occasional sarcasm, and a whole lot of grace as they share their walk with Jesus. Here's today's episode. Hi there, friend. Welcome to this episode of the RFWP. This is kind of a bonus episode. We were just chatting and I was talking to Lois about what we're currently walking through and she was like, you need to be recording. So I could give a bunch of caveats to what we say. She said I could just say that Lois made me do it. But in this conversation, in this episode, I really could give a lot of caveats to things that I said or referenced, but I'm not going to because I'm just going to let it be what it is. It's just a conversation. It's how I was really feeling. I'm really feeling. And you can take it for what it is. So some of you will not be shocked at all because you're walking through this or you have walked through this. And anybody who might be shocked by any of the sentiments that I reflect here, I just ask you to approach them with grace and some curiosity. I do want to give one caveat. I do mention this at the end of the episode, but I want to mention it on the outset. I made a couple comments about the church that we have been attending for a few weeks. And for anyone in my area who might know what church we've been attending, none of the comments that I made reflect experiences that we have had at this church. And like I say at the end, it is just that I am learning to trust again and learning to have discernment again. And that is part of the struggle is being able to see what is healthy and what is not. So in no way am I talking bad against the particular church that we have attended a few times. With that being said, here is our conversation. So you were saying coming... um you know, coming out of IFB and then jumping into the next thing. Right. So to give some context, like this is what we're like physically walking through right now is we left IFB. We gave ourselves the break that we needed before we walked into another church. That was for us eight years. I know people who it was three years, not eight years, eight months. I know people who's three years. I know people like take three weeks off and they're back. But when we walk out of IFB, it's easy to find the next, like we're learning, we're open, we're going, what I was taught was wrong. And then the first thing that we learn, we kind of latch onto it. And what needs to happen for healing is that we continue to question But what about you personally? Like, there are things that are, that you're processing and that you're realizing and that now you're speaking out loud saying, I went through, you know, where I was in a church where I was spiritually Mm -hmm. abused and I do have religious trauma and that you, that's where I was just like, man, record, record, record. 
<laughs> and you were hot about it, which was good. When I realized that, like, I was raised in a cult. And I know some people that makes them really uncomfortable and they can't, I struggle to say that because I know it hurts some people's feelings <laughs> that are close to me. But coming out of that, you think anything but that is truth. Like anybody who's preaching the gospel is right. When then seeing the damage that is done in the greater evangelical church at large and going, this whole thing needs to be <laughs> redone. Mm -hmm. So and you you know that you experienced spiritual abuse in the church you were raised in? That was the first one that I realized. Mm -hmm. it, it came through reading a series of blog posts that I stumbled upon. <laughs> I was looking for some sheet music. And mm -hmm. I, on this guy's blog, he has a story of a gal he got out of a toxic, narcissistic relationship. And I, I binged like 20 blog posts in a day and a half and was like sending it to all my friends like, you got to read this. Because it was so telling of the stuff we'd been through, even though it was a husband who was narcissistic. Like I was able to see that I was spiritually abused. Hmm. And acknowledging that was so helpful. Was that I your think. aha moment? No. Or is that were, just a part of the... That was just part of it. I think mm. there were so many... When I say there were so many resources that God brought across our path, another one was a video by Mark DeJesus on spiritual abuse. Another one was... Oh, I can't remember his name. His dad is a very famous IFB preacher down in Texas. Um, what's the name of that church? He just, like a year ago, he changed the name of it. I don't know. And he preached a message. It was like 35 minutes on spiritual PTSD. That's just another mm -hmm. um, message that opened my eyes to that. And then... That's one of the, that's one of the terminologies that um, our therapist, our Christian therapist use. She's like, with everything that you guys have walked through, starting with the church trauma, because that's what it is, um, she's like, you guys are dealing with a form of PTSD. She said, you don't have to go, um, there are different versions of PTSD, and she said, you can totally get that from what you've walked through. You don't mm -hmm. have to have gone and served in a war to get PTSD, even though that is obviously a huge thing that a lot of people are dealing with. But I think I heard Eric Skrzynski actually recently, like it was an interview of him, mm -hmm. I think. Anyway, it was him. And he was talking about trauma. And I don't remember if he was talking to a counselor or a friend, but they said, well, did it affect you? And he's like, well, yeah, it did. And she said, well, that was trauma. Yeah. Like, oh, like we don't have to classify our traumas. Like, well, somebody has a bigger trauma than me or no, if it impacts you, it's trauma. So that was the next thing that I realized um, just last fall. I allowed myself to um, feel 
and acknowledge <laughs> that it was not normal as a seven-year-old to have nightmares over hell and not be able to sleep because of mm. awful pictures mm-hmm. that had been shown me. Stuff that my parents would not have let us see. Yeah. And like acknowledging I that I had that trauma. Mm. And then like the next one, well, maybe not in order, but also, like you said, acknowledging that I grew up in a cult-like environment where we weren't allowed to question. Right. And so I think the point of what I was telling you is as we're walking this out, trying to find and not really, we're not on a mission to find a church. Right. You're just on a mission to heal, I think. If, if, if you can even call it a mission, you're just, you guys are just trying to walk through healing. So getting to the place where we were comfortable to, to walk into a church again, like Bill was, um, ready before I was, but he was just patient. And Mm -hmm. like the minute I said, Hey, next week, I think we could go over to this church. He was like, great, let's do it. Mm -hmm. And we've been going for a few weeks and there are some like safety concerns like doctrinal issues, I don't, I'm not having any struggles with. But for us, there's like safety concerns and we need to pull, we need to take a step back. Mm-hmm. I mean, you just said it and I, I'm glad you did because I, we need to take a step back because it feels like we're going too fast. <laughs> I want people to know that they need to take time for their healing. We can't be dogmatic about what we believe. And I feel like there's different layers to this. And I had a lady say this to me (laughs) a while ago and I was kind of mad. She's like, I remember being right where you're at. I was like, I like where I'm at. (laughs) But (laughs) she said it really kindly, but just she's like, I remember being there. I remember that look in your eye is the same. Mm. Because we jump from this is bad to this is good in our like theology, and we latch onto it so hard that we stop questioning for a while. Yeah. And it's okay to keep questioning. Sure. It's healthy. Sure. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. I think part of the reason that some, when they leave a cult-like denomination, and I hate to say that across the board because we've probably said this a bunch, that there are some independent Baptist churches that are actually independent. There are probably several different circles. I think it was, um, I can't remember which interview it was, but somebody was talking about there's like probably six circles within the IFB, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I don't think I'm talking about every single circle, but um, when, when you are raised like that, whether it's IFB or it's any other denomination that was cultish in it, where you earned favor with God by how many times a week you were at church, Mm-hmm. And all of that, um, that is hard to unpack. That is hard to, I don't know what the 
what the word is that I'm looking for. It's not deconstruct, but it's hard to um, walk through. I don't have to be at the church every single time the doors are open. My mm -hmm. heart should desire to be there, but, you know, when you were in an IFB church, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, soul winning, revival, you have to be there. And if you're not there, you feel guilty or what's wrong with so-and-so. They must not be as spiritual as so-and-so. And, and it's all around if you show up. I think that's why a lot of people, when they leave the IFB, um, they leave for mm -hmm. healthy reasons, but they don't give themselves enough time to get to get healthy and heal. And they do jump into the next church when they're, they were really, really honest. They're not ready. I don't know. I probably took too and, long to say that, but I'm just trying uh, to figure it out. Why, why people do that. And I think it's because they, uh -huh. they, they're still dealing with the, I have to be in church right now. Yes. Don't get me wrong. I think we, should be in church together and should be in community together. But I, when you're healing, you know. That's what's key though. We are the church and we need to be in community with others. Mm -hmm. That does not mean, I mean, could please COVID teach us anything? Mm -hmm. That it doesn't, it's not go gather with a hundred other people in worship. It's not it. And we have a, a Western view of what church is, an Americanized view of what gathering is. Mm -hmm. And so I think you hit something, a big reason why. Another thing that I see, and I'm just going to be, while we're kind of just have our mic on, <laughs> To be real, I see a lot of people latching onto a new denomination and they haven't give them, given themselves, like you said, the space to heal. And I'm not saying that we're doing this perfectly. It's awfully messy. And like you mentioned in like your story, you left your church and you, you were without that community through a time that well, you didn't leave your church. You were pushed out. Yeah. You had to leave. Yeah. But you were without that community. And there's that longing for the community. But we also need to honor our bodies, our healing process, long mm -hmm. enough to take a step back. Yep. Yep. I agree. And now I was ready to be sitting in somewhere for worship but there were a lot of Sundays during that time that I didn't go now Bobby started um, being an interim just oh, preaching right. not like the, the people that asked him to come preach they didn't like want him or they felt they, they felt like they had staff to hospital visits and all of that so he just prepared to preach every week and would he would go preach 
mm-hmm. and did that for a really long time. And I visited with him. I went with him some. And then finally he and I just, I had to sit down and I had to tell him, um, when I walk in these doors and when I sit in this sanctuary, I don't want to be here. Um, I don't want to be here because it, and, and it had nothing to do, you know, with the, with the people or anything. It was just like, I, it was very triggering. And I know that's word we use a lot, but it was very triggering to be in that service. And I wanted, of course, I wanted to hear my husband preach. I love to hear my husband preach. But everything else that was there reminded me of the politics and the committees and the the power players in where we had previously served. And I'm like, I can't do this. I can't do this. And he was so understanding. And so I would rest (laughs) or I would go to where we attend now and just sit, just sit. Mm -hmm. And don't you think part of it is because like people, people jump into another denomination or people jump into serving right away because they were raised in an environment where they felt like they got their, their um, identity and their, um they got their identity and how they felt good about themselves and all of that through doing things mm-hmm. and the tension one of the tensions that i'm feeling right now is how the new, the pastor at the place we've been going, as far as I can tell, I, it's hard for me to tell because I have so much um, distrust of pastors. So I, I, I cannot say if this is a reflection on him or not. But they seem so ready, like, to welcome us in and put us on the worship team and put Bill in charge of some youth activity Mm-mm. thing Mm-mm. because they're just, they're just excited. Like, wow, you guys know what you're doing. And I can't, I can't push, I can't press into that. And part of this, and you shouldn't. So I'm, uh, I'm 100% with you on this. So one of the things that I have recognized and felt just this week is the need to be okay with receiving for a while. Yeah. We, we get our identity from our service. Yes. But like, but we shouldn't, (laughs) but like you said in your story, Right. We shouldn't, we cannot, we cannot match our, we, our identity is not in what we do. It's whose we are. Yep. And we can't get those mixed up. It'll lead to a lot of defeat and high highs and really low lows that are just our, 
our pride and our, um, yeah. But I need to be okay with sitting. If we go more, I need to be able to say, not yet. I need to sit and receive. And that's really hard because we want to give of ourselves. Um, but being in a place where we're receiving is really hard for us. And mm -hmm. that's an area that we need to heal. I think all of us need to heal in our ability to receive. There's, we don't want to be, you know, consumers of church. We want to be participants, but sometimes we need to be okay with people ministering to us. And if they don't minister to us in the way that we need, I also have to be okay with that. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean that I jump in yet. You know, I can say, and you're absolutely right. I can say one of the things that drew me to continue to attend the church that we currently attend um, continued to draw me is because even though the leadership at that campus didn't necessarily know all that we had walked through, they knew enough to minister to us in a way with zero expectations, zero expectations from us. Um, and, and that was huge. Mm -hmm. And it took us a while to sit in that. It took us a good while to sit in that. Cause then you feel like I'm not, I'm not doing anything. I'm not, um, not just participating, but I'm not contributing. And the truth of the matter is, um, one of the things that I do, I do really love about where we currently attend is that they are all about healthy leadership mm -hmm. and, and so they, they did not push us to start serving. They just loved on us. And there might need to be a really candid conversation, <sighs> but just being honest, I don't know where the line is <laughs> between being spiritually abusive towards them. I think I said this before we hit record because I want to give them space to learn, especially about um, like se sexual abuse and protecting the children in the church. But part of me doesn't want to say anything. Part of me would, wants to not about the sexual abuse, but I don't want to say, hey, I'm not able to serve right now. I want to, I just want to observe how they treat us if we don't. Or I want to be, or I want to be the problem child who just like, like, blech, all of our ish out, all of my questions. And that's where the spiritual abuse would come on my part towards them. Like, I just want to test you. And that's not fair yeah. or right, but I'm just being honest. Like, yeah, I feel both either being silent and like, have you ever had a friend who was like that? Like, or maybe your sister or like just gave you the, like, help me if you can <laughs> attitude mm. or the, like, I'm going to yeah. give it all to you and like 
basically say, I know there's no solution, but try and do something anyway. I don't know. Yeah. And I don't think either one of those are the path, but I totally get where you're coming with that. Mm -hmm. But I think, and this is just my, my own personal experience. I think that um, the longer you allow yourself to sit and glean and sit and um, heal, obviously, this is not profound, but the healthier you will be when you do feel led to begin to contribute. But to me, personally, having been a staff member before, I totally get the, oh my gosh, fresh couple, young blood, they've been in ministry, they know how to do stuff, maybe they can A, B, or C. Yeah. And that's going to be a conversation that Bill and I have together first, where we go, this is our line and this is where we're not. Right. And when they approach and say, would you like to, we say, um, no, no, actually. Right. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. But, but see what would be super healthy <laughs> would be for them to recognize, really recognize where you guys are, what you've been through, what you are cur- currently going through, what you're currently walking through the doubts, the struggles, whatever, um, and, and not ask you to serve. That's to me, that is the height of healthy leadership. We're not going to ask them because they're not ready and that's okay. Because serving in a church is like the measure of your spirituality. Whether people like to admit it or not, pastors accidentally measure their flocks. Can I say flock? Um, Mm -hmm. The people in their cares, spirituality by how much they're doing and how involved they are. Mm -hmm. Rather than um, getting And not just the pastors, but like um, anybody who's in volunteer work right -hmm. I think that you guys are in a particularly different situation because there are not a lot of options but maybe for such a time as this it's okay not to feel like you have to find an option to continue to go. I do think that believers need to come together and be in community. And for me personally, I do believe in the local church. I do believe in the local body of believers. But I also know when people have been hurt in the quote-unquote corporate church, that to fling them right back in 
to a different situation is not the answer for their spiritual health. Mm -hmm. So if Mm -hmm. we were to wrap up this little impromptu hit record sesh. Yeah. The real talk (laughs) with the girls. What made you say hit record was when I was talking about giving yourself space to heal and not jumping from one thing to the next. Right. And not feeling like you have to. Please be gracious to the people around you. Mm -hmm. And remember that even if you feel like you're two months out and you've healed or you're six years out and you've healed, that people need to land on the same thing that you have. Mm. A friend of mine said, Rebecca Drumsta, she's a a coach and a counselor uh, for people who are deconstructing. Seriously, go check her out. She's so empathetic. She actually has an IFB background too. Mm. But she said, people who have deconstructed hold what they believe a little less tightly. That's not exactly how she said it, but we hold it a little bit more openly. And that's not to say we don't believe in absolute truth. Just means that we're a lot more empathetic or we learn more empathy towards what other people believe. And we're more curious than dogmatic. I think that's the whole point. What I was trying to say. Sure. And the empathy comes back to loving people well. And again, like you said, doesn't mean that we don't believe in absolute truth. I believe in absolute truth. I do not believe in moral relativism where it's true for me, but it's not true for you. I, you know, and all of the, all the things. Um, but People have to have time to heal. I was just scrolling through Twitter uh, yesterday. No, today. Today. And I saw so many. um, I saw like two or three different threads about somebody saying. I went back to church yesterday for the first time and. Mm. Um, something happened and it just was very difficult for me to be there. And I wanted to run, but I stayed and somebody else said something about something being triggering and, and someone else said, I cried through the whole service, but it was, but it was okay. You know? Um, and then people just want to say, well, you're just being too sensitive and you're a snowflake and you know, pull up your bootstraps and deal with it. And honestly, I I mentioned when I was, when I allowed myself to admit that I had spiritual trauma or religious trauma. Yeah. I remember saying this to two friends, I think. I am struggling with not calling myself a snowflake. And This is different for everybody, but for me, what's most healing for me is allowing 
myself to feel that and acknowledge those things. I, I don't when know I, that I'm following you on the, that you're struggling with not calling yourself a snowflake. Okay. So I'll go back to when I finally admitted that I had religious trauma. Right. It was a struggle to admit that. Okay. So it felt like. Why? Because you were, because you were comparing your religious trauma to somebody else's religious trauma. Hmm. And I, I felt bad for the implications it had on like people around me. Hmm. So if I admit that, is it very painful for other people? So I had to get to the place where I was okay with saying it. Mm -hmm. And I didn't throw myself under the bus and I didn't say, oh, you're just being petty or you're just being emotional or, you know, all that crap we were taught about being a woman. We're just being too emotional. You're not too much. You are not too much. You're not too emotional. You're not too broken. You do, you're not taking too long to heal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you do not have I mean, too obviously, many we need to be, right, you know, obviously, we want the Holy Spirit to do his work in our lives, and he makes us aware of, of things that we need to walk through and work on. But he also comforts us in the midst of the things that we are walking through and that we need to work on. One of the things that I heard just yesterday from a message was that the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. Let me see if I wrote this down. Because if I did, okay, the Holy Spirit transforms you. He convicts and convinces us to align with God. But this next line was awesome. The conviction of the Holy Spirit doesn't bring shame. When we listen to him, it brings peace. Mm-hmm. Others would like to bring shame on us, but, um, yeah, so good. And then another thing that was, um, talking about the Holy Spirit and his personhood and, and who he is and the work he mm-hmm. does in our lives. If we miss that the Holy Spirit is a person, we'll miss that he is personal. Mm, I love that. But yeah, he points, and the Holy Spirit always points us back to Jesus. So, it is okay to walk through the tough times. Um, I think think the um, phrase deconstructing your faith has gotten a bad rap because the first few people that came out... um, about deconstructing their faith um, said that they no longer believed in God, that they were wrong and all that. So um, if people hear about somebody deconstructing their faith, they're assuming that the person 
is now an atheist and that it's not true for everybody. And I, I even hate to say deconstructing faith because I don't know that we're really, when you walk through and you question and you're trying to figure these things out, I don't think we're deconstructing our faith. I think we're deconstructing um, religiosity or, or just the um, big C church and what's really biblical and what's not biblical, what's healthy and what's not healthy. What are, what, what does God say about this? And I think a lot of people are deconstructing all the man-made added things, Mm -hmm. not, uh, you know, I don't know. I would, I would just add though, I think you're right, but I would add that sometimes you have to take apart all of it, the deconstructing, you have to like undo all of it Mm -hmm. and lay it all out. Yeah. To see what fits back in and what doesn't. It doesn't, like, sure. You you take apart the good, the bad, the ugly, and I feel like it's a lifelong process of questioning and being curious yeah. and saying, wait, I put this piece back in, but I think it goes over here. And mm-hmm. like, and then, so giving you people know, the space to right. ask all of them. Yeah, you're right. And I think it goes back to, our worldview. I think part of it goes back to what we were taught um, growing up. It was a, and nothing wrong with the Bible tells me so, but it was a, <clears throat> the Bible tells me so, and, you know, this is how it is, A, B, and C, and you just need to listen to me. Mm-hmm. Where it would be a healthier thing to say, this is what scripture says. So let's talk about this. How do we walk this out? Do you have questions about that? What are your Mm -hmm. questions? You know what? I had questions like that when I was a kid and there's not this conversation of walking through scripture. There's just this constant like, push, push voice and everybody's supposed to just listen and, um, never question, take it in. I'm probably not explaining that well, but as a former teacher, Socratic method, it's my favorite way to teach. It's discussion oriented. That doesn't mean we just go willy nilly and everybody goes, well, I feel this about the scripture and I feel this about this person. I, I interpret it this way and I interpret it this way. It's not what I'm talking about. It's just talking about taking the truth and let's talk about why this is truth because then you own it for yourself. And I think Mm -hmm. if we had scripture being taught that way and biblical faith being taught that way, um, where people were having discussions and allowed those things, we would have less people having to walk through deconstructing their faith because only certain questions are well questions are only approved so long as you land on the right answer Mm. that's the catch okay (laughs) 
So we get real uncomfortable when people ask questions that might challenge our worldview. And this is the struggle. We yep. get real uncomfortable because we have just believed the Bible says so. So that's why I believe it. I remember <laughs> when I was baptized as um, after I got saved, like, why do you believe you're saved? Well, the Bible says so was the approved answer. Oh. Like, like um, okay. I don't even remember what the, like, what am I actually saying? So I'm just going to say the Bible says so because that was what everybody else says. Hmm. And we, our faith sometimes isn't very deep. So when somebody else comes around with questions, we shut them up quick because it makes us uncomfortable. And holding to what we, holding to, like I've said, holding to our past beliefs keeps us from moving forward and it feels safe. Because it's scary out here. Let's be real. Yeah. Yeah. Deconstructing, feeling like you're not sure where you um, can belong in a church family mm. is scary. You know, a lot of people are doing house churches now, even in the New Testament. Um, and not just because of COVID. I mean, um, house churches, I think Francis Chan I haven't read the book, but Francis Chan, you know, had a church in California, grew it to 5,000. And then he, you know, lovingly resigned and stepped away because he just got very convicted that um, he felt there's a more biblical way to do that. And so now it's smaller. All right. Well, can I give a big caveat? Because I know that people that know me in my little town might listen to this episode. <laughs> and I I want to just clarify that I am not at all saying the church we've been trying is spiritually abusive. What I'm saying is I still don't trust myself to be able to tell. Yeah. Because we're still healing and some things that feel like they're red flags might not be. Mm -hmm. And healing our relationship with the Holy Spirit and letting him teach us and direct us and guide us and say, this is right and this is wrong. And no, you're right. This isn't okay. And that person like you have a suspicion about, like you can trust your gut by the Holy Spirit and learning how to, you can trust your intuition that's guided by the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. But that's a huge healing process. So, sure. you know, years ago, early on in our marriage, Bobby and I were really struggling. And when I say really struggling, um, like close to being done struggling within the first mm. five years of our marriage. And we went to a therapist in our town, which was, you know, we're talking 30 32, this June, we will have been married. We will be married 32 years. So, you know, in the first five years of marriage and the, the churches that you're going to and stuff, like you still kind of, you still kind of hiding and sneaking going to a therapist because you ought to just be spiritual enough to handle it. Yeah. yeah. That kind of thing. But something that you said made me think of 
some of our early marriage counseling. And there had been some just some trust broken between the two of us. And and Dr. Nielsen was his name. And he said, you cannot will yourself to trust again. Mm, yeah. You have to take time and you have to allow the process. But you can't will yourself to trust again. Now, that doesn't mean that you don't take strides towards healing. But so I guess I'm telling you, (laughs) Emily, you cannot will yourself to trust again. Um, You can't push those feelings of mistrust down. And I think you're being really wise about um, stating that the mistrust is because of the spiritual abuse, the religious trauma that you went through, and not necessarily because you see something in this situation or in this uh, pastor that um, that he's given you a reason to mistrust him. It has nothing to do with him. Mm-mm. It has to do with the manipulation, abuse, fake words that I can't say right now, situation (laughs) that you grew up in, just the lying, just the whole thing of being one way during the week and then somebody getting up and preaching on Sunday, you know, um, yeah, (laughs) all the things. Well, wow, we've just had it just kind of. I think 45 minutes in is a good bonus episode. <laughs> I, I think so. But yeah, when you just, when you just started and, and I could just that genuine transparency um, and you were just, you were kind of getting lit up about it. And that's when I was like, we need to hear how you're feeling about this and others need to hear how you are feeling about this and, and where you are, because I know there are a lot of people walking the same mm-hmm. path and they need to know that they aren't alone. Yep. And here you are still after all the junk I think what our story, you know, is different, but, but still you and Bill are walking this out Hmm. faithfully. You're walking it out faithfully. You're, you're asking questions. You're in the word. You are. Extending grace to others, you are, you know, my goodness, you've started a, a coaching business where you are trying to help people um, heal their relationship with God and their view of who he is in their lives. You guys are walking faithfully 
the fact that you're even walking towards him still after everything you guys been through Mm -hmm. is amazing to me. Well, like you didn't want to wrap up your story in a bow. I don't want people to, I mean, I appreciate that and I'm going to receive that. (laughs) Yeah. But it's not always pretty. There are days I can't, I don't read my Bible. Like last week, I've talked about this on my podcast. I struggle with systems because every system that I get Mm -hmm. into goes dry really fast. Well, and systems were what were used. Very true. Abusively. And so you're already a free spirit. And then you take the spiritual abuse of those systems that were perpetrated on you guys in the church. And I'd be like, I don't want any fences either. Like you get them off of me because I don't want anything to look like it used to. And I am learning that I need structure, but then I have to run away really fast. (laughs) But it's messy. It's, it's still, um, I still wouldn't have it any other way. I don't want to be sure about something that I could still wrestle with and question and wonder about and go deeper on and stand in awe of who God is because Mm -hmm. I don't just have blind faith. Thank you for being so transparent. Um, There was a book years ago, and I don't remember the author, but that I read it. And the more that I read it, I was like, man, I think that's what really started to turn me because I, I grew up wanting to fit in this group. And, and I was constantly insecure about what people thought about mm-hmm. me and wanted to fit into the girls group and all that jazz. Um, and I was a mess, I'll just tell you. But I came across this book in college. I don't remember who gave it to me or whatever, but or if I had to read it for a class. But it's literally called The Trauma of Transparency. Oh, interesting. And that was written 30 years ago. And think about the title of that book and how relevant it is hmm. today. Because people say they want transparency, they want yeah, genuineness and all of that. But really in the church, they just want everything swept under the rug or wrapped up in a bow. Because life is messy and your walk with Christ mm-hmm. can be messy. And there is a message in the messiness. Um, I need to look up. Uh, who wrote the trauma of transparency and if if it's even still in print gosh does that age me (laughs) well hey you want to know there's a book i read as a teenager that's out of print (laughs) yeah what is it i I kissed dating i'm not (laughs) i'm not impressed grant howard the trauma of transparency a biblical approach to interpersonal uh, communication. I wonder if it would still, if some of the things would still stand today after, Mm -hmm. you know, everything that people have walked through in the church. Yeah. Interesting. 
Well, I'm so glad we hit record again because even though it's late and you have been working on your own podcast all day today, I think there was more to be heard because somebody is going to, somebody's going to, um, definitely relate to where you are right now. I'm going to end with a funny. Okay. I think I think Sunday there's going to be somebody who's not in church because of me, because of what we just said. <laughs> oh, they're not going to be in church Sunday because yeah. of what we just talked about. Maybe that's not funny. Maybe it's good. I know somebody else that's probably going to take a step back and not be in church Sunday in the building, but they will be in church that's right. in community. And I think she has red hair. <laughs> And she and her husband and her daughters will have house church Sunday and rest well as they experience Sabbath together. Sabbath is good. Plug for Sabbath. Where do we land this? <laughs> I don't know if we're landing the plane on this one. Okay. Yep. You know, I know we always try mm-hmm. to land the plane um, and that's good, but I'm not sure land the plane on this one. I'm not sure we need to close the conversation because I think that there are men and women, young men, young women, teenagers, senior adults that needed to hear just this transparent, raw (laughs) footage today. And just need to probably email us their their mm-hmm. own experience and where yeah. they are right now. So if you are walking through something, if you would allow us the privilege of praying for you while you're dealing with what it is that you're dealing with, um, because I think it was Tony Evans that said, We're either in a fire, getting ready to walk out of the fire, or getting ready to walk Mm -hmm. into a fire. Email us, hello at sisterseeker.com, and just share and know that it's confidential. Um, Absolutely. But it'll give us, it'll give us a privilege to, to pray for you, or maybe you want to just send us an email to um, encourage us about maybe things that need to be heard in the future and just allow us to pray on that and um, see where it leads. So, yeah, I'm thinking this one doesn't, this one doesn't get tied up at the end. I think this will be an ongoing conversation that will lead to many more wonderful conversations. You know, our opening episode where we talked about what the R, the F, the W, and the P stand for. Relational, wonder, faith, purpose. I just want to thank you for representing the relational <laughs> part of, of our purpose um, tonight and just sharing with us what you're walking through. Well, thanks for making space for it. 
Absolutely. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. As always, you can reach out to Lois and Emily at hello at sisterseeker.com. And if you enjoyed today's episode, it would mean the world to us if you would consider supporting the RFWP. You can go to patreon.com slash sisterseeker. Another way to show your support is by leaving us a review. This helps get this cause and this message to more women like you. We'll see you next week. Thanks for being here, friend.